Hi, this is Dan Mindis from NextGen Venture Partners coming off of a really interesting conversation with Matt Alexander, the co-founder and CEO of Neighborhood Goods, uh, which is a new uh, concept in retail. Uh, Matt describes it as sort of the app store, but for physical retail where brands of, of all kinds can have their own sort of pop-up locations within his single environment and there's events and there's um, a nice restaurant and it's a, a more social and engaging way uh, for uh, for brands that are often digitally native uh, to get into a physical location. Uh, Matt, I think, paints a really compelling story uh, for why there is a future for retail, why e-commerce is not going to uh, take over the entire world. Um, and uh, he tells it in a, a brilliant way. Uh, he's got this lovely British accent, which I think uh, makes you know increases his IQ by at least 10 points. Uh, and uh, I will let Matt uh, take it away from here. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Matt Alexander, thanks for joining me today. Of course, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Tell me what Neighborhood Goods does. In brief, it's a contemporary alternative to and evolution of the department store. So it's the result of a conversation um, a lot of people are having in the industry, uh, but specifically I've had with a number of really fantastic partners over the past 12 months or so where we've been thinking about what a contemporary a retail framework might look like built for uh, both modern consumers and also for more modern and digitally native brands. Um, you know, as these guys trend more towards uh, selling much more in the physical world than they do on the web, regardless of their identity as being a digital brand or not, um, you know, people need help and they need a sort of a platform uh, to really sort of enter that world and to you know, provide a lot of uh, capacity for scale. And so that's sort of what we've been thinking about. And so uh, we call it a department store just because it was, it's the easiest way of thinking about it and translating it into sort of human language. And so that's kind of uh, the core of it. You know, it's a very social experience. We've got food and beverage. We've got a big sort of editorial e-commerce side to the business as well. But I mean, the core of it is going into a really dignified and consistent and well-produced a physical space like you would going into a traditional department store, but rather than having fixtures full of, you know, clothing that never really changes or, you know, products that never really change in general, uh, instead it's a very dynamic and sort of ever-changing environment that takes some of the elements of pop-up retail and makes it much more sort of approachable for the average person. Uh, paint the picture for me. Uh, is it how big? Uh, what kind? You know, is it next? What what kind of places is it next to or near to? Uh, when I walk in, how many brands am I seeing? Um, you know, what, uh, what 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 should people expect to experience when they walk into a neighborhood goods store? Yeah. So the the first one, you'll walk in the front door. Um, it's thirteen thousand square feet, so it's quite large, but certainly not the size of your sort of average Nordstrom or anything like that. Um, but large enough for us to have, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 different brands, uh, maybe fewer, depending on the size of their activations. Um, so you walk in and right in front of you is a, you know, it's a very open, lots of windows, lots of natural light. Um, and you walk in and you'll sort of see, you know, a lot of very dynamic signage and sort of events happening and live artwork being done. And, you know, in some cases, live podcasts being recorded. Um, and just behind all of that in the sort of foreground in front of you will be um, a restaurant area where you can come in in the morning and have, you know, a great cup of coffee at lunchtime, have, you know, a great sandwich, great sort of simple lunch. And in the evening have uh, great drinks um, and very simple sort of meals. Um, and around that sort of experience, 
we've got these different brands, all of whom will be building off the same sort of fixture framework we're developing, this sort of architectural language we're developing that'll make it very easy for brands to be able to use the same sort of architectural uh, backbone for their experiences, but then to build uh, very unique sort of aesthetics on top of that. So it'll feel consistent and cohesive, but it'll also feel distinctive. Looking across the room, you'll be able to see uh, the dividing line between one brand and another, and another. And, you know, beyond that, there's going to be lots of broken out social areas, as well as a lot of areas where we're going to have uh, curated mixes of product that will be changing every week. Um, and, you know, beyond that, there's going to be a huge amount of event programming. And so, uh, you know, that's sort of the in-store experience. In terms of where we're looking, our first one's going to be at a sort of very traditional shopping center, a new one here in Texas, um, where there's just sort of a huge amount of consumer demand. And it's in a sort of a suburban market. And so they haven't had historical access to a lot of uh, retail experiences from a lot of the brands that might be the most interesting for them. So lots of these digital native brands, as I mentioned. Um, beyond that, though, we're certainly looking at more sort of uh, exciting and metropolitan city markets. So anything from New York to L.A. Uh, or D.C. and trying to do, you know, very interesting and sort of complementary activations in each one that can be a little bit different everywhere we go. So like the cornerstones of the experience from the food to the sort of editorial and the event programming, uh, that'll be consistent but the brands we're offering, the size of the space will vary from one place to the next. So it's designed to be this very flexible and very versatile concept that can be um, very efficient for us to scale and expand. Um, and uh, it sort of slots very nicely into a lot of different markets, but the core of the experience remains quite consistent throughout. There's been an explosion of new consumer brands, uh, which are largely uh, online first. Right, they're venture backed, um, and uh, and many of them uh, over time uh, start thinking about retail. Um, what's your pitch to them? Um, let's say that that it's uh, that they haven't gone into retail at all yet. You know, what what are why why do it? What's what's the um, the value prop for those those new brands? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a number of different reasons. I mean, one of the most obvious sort of uh, facts to point out to a lot of these brands these days is that brands that you would traditionally associate with being a digital native brand are actually generating more revenue from their offline channels than they are from online. So, for example, Peloton and Warby Parker, both of whom you think of as very digitally forward and digitally grounded companies, are, are generating more revenue from their physical stores than they are from the web. Um, and so there's clearly a an obvious demand and um, group of people that are very hungry for, you know, touching and feeling and understanding these products. And so that's a very obvious sort of thing to point out to these people, you know, saying, you know, it's all well and good to launch a great sort of bedsheet brand on the web, but people ultimately need to sort of touch it and feel that to understand what you're selling and what that value proposition is. Um, beyond that, though, Physical is a great sort of tool for um, developing community. And so a lot of these digital native brands, I mean, just in the past few weeks, uh, a good example would be Outdoor Voices. Um, Bandier, another company in the space, uh, launched a line of activewear that was seen to be somewhat aesthetically similar. And it's debatable whether or not it was completely sort of um, intentional or not. But what happened as a result was that for Outdoor Voices, um, because it's such a a communal concept and something that so many people have bought into, they really rallied around the brand and sort of 
really came out in droves on Instagram and to their stores to sort of show their support in this sort of moment. And so I think physical allows this opportunity to sort of continue a lot of the ethics and the philosophies of what you see with a lot of digital native brands where they're really focusing on trying to tear down the barrier between the customer and the brand and the people behind it. You know, the fundamental philosophy being that people don't really care about brands, they care about people. And so as we all generate these stories and try to develop this editorial around all of our different brands on the web, the easiest way to really articulate that is to get people to know the people behind it and to bring people really close and develop more of a relationship, which in turn engenders so much more magnetism and loyalty around those products and around that company. And physical is obviously a great opportunity for that. In addition to that, it's a great uh, avenue for testing new product types and prototypes. So speaking of Bandier, you know, they have a series of stores across the US and in each one, they are often selling uh, prototypes of products that are not available on the web. And so it's a great mechanism to sell exclusives for their loyal customers, but it's also something where they can, you know, come into the space, learn about what will do well and to which demographic of people and then put it into broader produ production. Um, beyond that, it's a great marketing channel. And so, you know, everyone's going after the same sort of demographic of people. And so uh, they're all sort of pursuing the same people on Facebook, all the same sort of advertising channels. And as a result, the costs are often increasing for all of these people. Uh, physical presents an opportunity to get in front of people, uh, potentially in a less expensive way, depending on how you're doing it. Um, and generate more of that relationship and capture more people that you wouldn't have otherwise expected might be uh, ideal customers. And so really for us, when we're talking to brands, um, we're talking to them about A, you know, great sales and exposure, obviously, uh, B, a great sort of marketing channel that sort of complements their existing efforts, and C, a great sort of product testing and data gathering exercise uh, for everything they're doing as a company. So the, the benefits and the utility of it are very diverse. And so, you know, most digital native brands are trying to do something physical. And a lot of them have different ideas as to what that's going to look like. Um, I think the key for us is trying to be, as I sort of mentioned earlier, uh, very agile as to what we can be for them. And so uh, trying not to be too uh, prescriptive in how we operate and how we uh, bring these brands in. Uh, but being very sort of uh, malleable and supportive of these sort of disparate goals. You mentioned uh, this example of uh, a brand that sort of rallied its its customers um, and uh, around and in a physical space um, because of a competitive threat. I'm curious. I was really struck by your comment that um, you know people are you know people are, to the degree they're interested in brands. It's very much all. It's very social. It's who else is interested in this brand? How else do you leverage physical space? Uh, to make uh, make things more social um, for a brand. Yeah, well, if you think about Peloton, right? Um, they are selling uh, an, a relatively expensive exercise bike for the home, right? Where you the whole idea on the face of it is fairly sort of introspective. The idea is that you go buy this bike, and in doing so, you go home. You don't have to leave the house to basically go to a spin class. So you are sort of on the face of it, giving up social interaction. Um, and so sort of combating that and sort of flying in the face of that uh, initial take on what they're doing, uh, their stores, if you look at them, are built around a social experience. There's bikes in there, 
But what they're trying to do is bring in people that are either already in their ecosystem to come and sort of socialize and get together and talk about those experiences, talk about their favorite instructors, talk about the experiences that they've come to really appreciate and sort of come together to learn more, buy some more products, uh, you know, learn some like tips and tricks about other things they haven't done with their bike yet. And, you know, obviously in future their treadmill as well. And so that's a really interesting way for people to sort of you know, rally around a brand and for a brand to marshal that level of community. It's, it's it, you know, these days, a lot of people are trying to really focus on bringing people together on Instagram and follower accounts certainly help at a very sort of uh, surface level, right? It's a sort of a vanity sort of thing to really be thinking about. What really matters are the sort of, you know, almost the thousand true fans, you know, that very sort of old adage about how to build something successful. And with this, like a physical sort of manifestation of this really is a unique opportunity to bring people together. And like, if you, I don't know, I mean, I, we were at the Peloton offices a few weeks ago and my business partner, uh, Mark Masinta, he is a big uh, Peloton user and he saw just randomly uh, his favorite instructor just walk across the sort of lobby area. And he sort of, he, I mean, not to sort of embarrass him, but he kind of freaked out about it and sort of immediately went over to talk to him and sort of socialize with him and to sort of try to understand more of his story and sort of share how much of an impact he had had. And then, uh, you know, just later that day, a friend of mine uh, was in New York and had just been over to one of their studios and had gone to like a very small class. And he uh, mentioned the same thing, that it was an amazing sort of moment to be around these people and to be around his favorite instructor. And so I think, I think people forget that brands you know as i was sort of saying earlier the people and i think you know you see a lot of editorial focus from a lot of brands these days and a lot of it's very product focused but i think a lot of that can be really misplaced i think the the true essence of trying to develop that connection and more you know potential sales and more of a lifetime value from each customer is about developing more of a personal relationship and sort of if, if not actually happening, then at least generating the illusion of the fact that you know each other on a first name basis, right? And so physical is a very, very good opportunity to do that where you can develop these sort of dignified relationships. And so like you don't get that from a lot of retail experiences. Like if you walk into most stores, unless you go there all the time, they're not going to really know you, nor do the store uh, staff really have much of a mandate to really remember you. But... Um, for a lot of these younger brands that are trying to be more aspirational, they'll try, they'll absolutely try to remember you, and and that plays so much more into the story. So, I think I think there's so many different opportunities, and community is obviously a big one. It helps people sort of really wrap their heads around what they're buying into. You know, so much of retail is about human anxiety, and if people can go into the Warby Parker store, having been buying their glasses for years, and then see this like great sort of group of people sort of also shopping in there, it's almost this sort of ratifying moment of what you've been doing for years where you sort of feel sort of the sense of acceptance or that you have you've sort of bought into this sort of identity that you want to adopt or you want to be seen as uh, being and so i think you know physical presents so many opportunities that just that can't really happen on the web and if done correctly which is really the the key it can turn into something so powerful for both the consumer in terms of their in terms of their transactions and creating memorable experiences, but also for the brand in terms of generating those relationships. Do you think that will be true thirty years from now? That is, 
I, I think it's it's clear it's clear to me. I think it'll be clear to a lot of people how this is an evolution from your traditional retail space and retail environment. Um, I think you know this this audience is is a group of entrepreneurs and and people in the entrepreneurial ecosystem, and to some degree there may be an assumption that the march of e-commerce will continue indefinitely and eventually um, every you know everything will be uh, online only. Do you uh, think that that's just hey that that's not true? Right, there'll always be a big place for retail or is it, you know, we just have 10 years, 20 years, 30 years before it happens? You know, I think um, retail will be relevant as long as, you know, social experiences are relevant. Um, People like to find somewhere to go sort of meet up at the weekend. Uh, Like, you know, for like my wife and I, you know, obviously I'm in the retail industry, but like regardless of that, we just, if we have, you know, a few hours to kill at the weekend, we may just pop over to the mall and sort of walk through and sort of peruse and sort of chat. And it's, I think as long as you can go somewhere that is dignified and adheres to your expectations of what that experience can look like, which is kind of the key that a lot of these guys have been missing, then I don't think it really goes anywhere. I've heard a lot of people um, coming to me or talking in the industry about uh, using uh, VR to sort of approximate the retail experience. So you never have to leave the home, but you can sort of, get a sense of products and you can almost approximate the touch and feel by looking at a rendering of a product and you can sort of have this um, more immersive sort of e-commerce experience from the home. And I think that's fine and it's an, it's an interesting idea, but I don't think it's going to work for uh, things like clothing particularly well. And maybe, you know, maybe I'll end up being embarrassed that I said that someday, but I think, I think it's, it's true that people like to see these things. And, and I think it's true that, people you know want to hang out with each other um and they don't necessarily want to do that exclusively on the web and you know additionally if we really want to sort of get out there um if you start talking about the rise of the self-driving car if you think of the impact that's going to have on the retail industry where teenagers who wouldn't historically be able to get to a shopping center by themselves are now able to safely um that has an enormous impact on what retail can look like the same goes for uh, the elderly, um, it, it has an enormous impact on what those spaces look like and how people are engaging with them. And so maybe the shape of it changes. I think it always continues to change. I think the problem in the last sort of 10, 15 years is that nothing really changed at all, that like the stalwarts in the space just sort of stuck to their guns and they had a very specific idea as to what retail experiences should look like inside their stores and they failed to sort of modernize but i think what you're seeing right now is a a rising class of people that are very invested in the future and being good to people at the core of it and being good and trying to provide a great service to them and i think that service evolves so like i think the metrics of retail are already changing right now where it's not just about traditional sort of commercial real estate metrics like sales per square foot but it's shifting more towards web-style metrics of impressions and engagement. And so I think these experiences continue to evolve. I don't think it necessarily dies away. I think it just continues to change. And I think we're, we have more of a class of people that are going to embrace that sort of sense of change. As for the more sort of traditional malls, you know, I think a lot of them will die out. Um, I think we have too many of these larger uh, malls developed across the country. And I think a lot of the ideas behind them are very sort of antiquated. And I think a lot of the sort of department stores, the major department stores we think about now, um, if they don't really sort of get their act together over the next sort of two, three years, I think a lot of them will start to die out too, 
but I think they'll just be replaced by something a little bit more compelling and relevant. Coming at this with my venture capital hat on, I, I always like to see um, large industries, and retail is certainly that, uh, where there hasn't been a lot of innovation for a long time. And that often, that often spells opportunity when there are companies that come along that are innovative. And I, th- I think you're certainly in that category. I'm curious, you know, who are the other innovators? Who do you look to and say, wow, they're doing something really interesting in retail uh, and they're, uh, that they're, they're, they might be a long-term competitor or, they, or they're just uh, a model or, or doing something that's, that's noteworthy? Yeah, the, there's a few. Um... First and the most obvious being that a lot of these digital native brands are investing aggressively in their own retail strategies right now. So, you know, companies that have traditionally sworn off doing anything physical like Everlane are now sort of turning about face and concocting a very potent sort of retail strategy. And so that's very exciting to see. And obviously, I expect uh, great things from a lot of companies like that. I don't see it. I, for us, like as I sort of go down this list of different companies in the space, it's important to emphasize that I see us not as a competitor for a, a, a company's existing store plans and retail plans, but more as a complementary channel. We're almost like a a physical Shopify subscription that sort of lives alongside everything else you already have going. And we're almost, or, you know, another analogy would be that we're almost a lot like what Apple's done with the App Store insofar as they've created a framework upon which people can build incredibly unique things that have the same sort of obvious consistency within that sort of ecosystem. So you can recognize an iPhone app as compared to an Android app, for argument's sake, uh, just by basic UI conventions. I see it as very similar to what we're doing that having something inside of our space doesn't preclude you from doing things elsewhere. So with that out of the way, other sort of companies in the space that are very interesting are companies like Appear Here, which started out of the UK, um, now expanding into the US, where they are sort of aggregating uh, some of this empty retail square footage around the US. Uh, part of the trouble for them is that it sort of relies upon the sort of status quo of the commercial real estate industry, which obviously isn't hurriedly changing, but um, you can only really afford to do a, you know, a really compelling pop-up through something like Appear Here if you're a larger brand. But if you are a larger brand, it makes it much easier than ever before. And then there's companies like um, Bulletin in New York where they've sort of you know, really become this empowering platform for lots of independent creator and smaller companies to sort of get into physical retail. And then there's uh, groups like Beta who've done something similar to sort of tr- create sort of a smaller and more focused and more dignified alternative to something like Best Buy, uh, where you can sort of go in and have this sort of self-guided experience. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are sort of playing with a lot of different ideas, um, and and most of them aren't particularly relevant to what we're doing. Um, but it's just it's very exciting to sort of see this sort of movement, as you sort of mentioned. And beyond that, you know, the, of the sort of more traditional companies in the space, I think you have to sort of give credit to. Uh, Nordstrom for trying a lot of different ideas. You know, they got Everlane aboard to do a lot of different pop-ups, and regardless of how all of them go and how well they've sort of modernized, I think it's you can certainly sort of acknowledge that out of those sort of traditional groups in the space, they've done a lot to remain relevant. Um, but you know, the, the 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 truth is, there's a lot of different ideas out there. There's a lot of different pop-up initiatives. You know, I, I started one here in Dallas called Unbranded, where we give free retail and event space to independent entrepreneurs and artists and chefs uh, every sort of holiday shopping period. And that's just become permanent. Um, 
and is run as a non-profit here in Dallas. Um, is now permanent inside the Statler Hotel, which just reopened. Uh, it was actually reopening this week. Um, and that, you know, has a rotating selection of great independent brands. And so that's something akin to Bulletin with, with less sort of organization and structure and obviously structured as a nonprofit. But, you know, I think a lot of people in a lot of different markets, big and small, are thinking about this. And I think it's sort of, as I mentioned in the sort of prior answer, I think it sort of heads towards a much healthier dynamic across the marketplace as a whole. Matt, I think we have a pretty good idea of what a neighborhood goods store, you know, is going to look like, you know, today, a, a year from now. What about five years from now? What about 10 years from now? What does it mean to take this idea of sort of the app store, but for a physical uh, location, physical retail, uh, and, and extend that out into the future? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the core sort of words you'll hear me using a lot, or if you're sort of ever reviewing any of our documentation that you would see a lot, um, are ecosystem and structure and a systematized approach and framework and things like that and so the core of what we're thinking about is how to create a visual sort of vocabulary for the company that'll allow us to do something really striking and unique and cohesive as i've sort of mentioned but also that makes it incredibly easy for brands to do different activations or all sorts of different activations and for brands by the way anything from a brand you've never heard of that's just getting off the ground all the way up to an enormous company like Nike, right? Where we want to be, we want to be a platform, and we want to build this very welcoming and complementary ecosystem that becomes a great utility and a, a, a great sort of uh, value uh, for all sorts of different groups. And so, for customers, we want to sort of grow this thing to become a very reliable and very consistent and very exciting and dynamic experience regardless of where you see us. And so the goal for us is to start expanding quite aggressively into um, most major cities across the US, in addition to a lot of quite underserved tertiary markets um, where you know we can go in and be the first introductory moment for people to see some of these younger brands for the first time in person. And so there's a huge amount of opportunity around the country for us physically, experientially, you know, we want it to be very relevant. You know, people talk a lot about personalization and retail, and I think that's really just a euphemism for actually having something relevant. Uh, you know, so often you go into a retail experience and nothing ever really changes, and the products that they're selling are exactly what they're selling in a completely different climate the other side of the country or the other side of the world. And I think for us, the big focus is trying to be much more relevant and much more local. And so as we scale, as we grow you know, five years down the line, I think the goal for us is to create an amazing experience for the customer that, that is very exciting and unique everywhere we are, as well as creating a very consistent uh, value set for everyone that's participating on the brand side of things, wherever we go. And then beyond that, I think it's, it's really establishing this identity of the brand as something that's really great for telling really good stories and to generate a great sense of community around this ecosystem or within it, where we are really focusing on, you know, just having the best brands in the space. We're focusing on telling their stories. We're focusing on inspiring younger entrepreneurs as to how to go do this sort of thing. And we're doing it in a very transparent and open and dignified and ethical way that is always exuding this sort of core philosophy of the brand. And so, you know, we're, in terms of like the, the sort of more sort of investor-friendly answer that manifests as 
you know, fairly aggressive physical expansion into a lot more locations. Um, in terms of what that means for the customers, something quite unique compared to what they would expect from a lot of other retailers that expand at that sort of pace. And so creating something that it remains like, even if you have a neighborhood goods in your hometown and you go there quite frequently, that if you're traveling across the country, you may want to go into neighborhood goods in a new city because it'll, because it'll be a unique and different experience from the one you're used to. And so that's kind of what we want to develop, this sense of structure and framework that allows for that um, and the sense of ecosystem and community that goes along with it that, that turns it into something much bigger than just a series of stores or a, you know, a, a great sort of editorial e-commerce platform. Matt Alexander, thanks so much for spending time with me. Thank you.